0: That's N O O M dot com to sign up today.
1: Hey there. Welcome to Nick Pollock and Friends, where I talk to people I know and who you should know. Today it's Jenny Butler. And I got to say, Jenny, it is wonderful talking to you today. I met you, uh, well, I met you, I guess, years ago, 2019, at First Pitch Arizona. I met you years before that on the Pitcher List Slack channel. Yes. Uh, when it was Slack. And I, I, I felt like I really got to know you super well this past year at First Bitch Arizona as we shared our lament. Actually, I don't know if it was me or only me. Maybe you were rooting for Dusty. I don't know. Of Game 6 of the World Series. Uh, but it's great having you here. And thanks for taking the time.
2: Thank you for asking me. This is so much fun. Yeah, I, uh, I witnessed, you know, the, the angst of nick pollock in that moment i've never, Wheeler, I've never seen so, out so somebody so upset over inning. a pitcher being Eight. taken out of a game
1: like <laughs> Snell 2.0
2: yeah i didn't really have a dog in that fight so i was just uh yeah. i was just happy to watch it i really wish it wouldn't have been at the on at the same time as the home run derby you know, it, it sounds oh, like that would have so been fun but yeah if it's a i mean world series i can't i'm not gonna skip a world I, series game i was
1: so. honestly so shocked at how many people me too and didn't watch game six of the world series we're not we're just the name cool names. kids say it so we're exactly. fine exactly yeah sharing that table with you sarah sanchez and uh, lauren arabach was wonderful um but jenny tell everybody uh where they can find you on twitter and what you do in this space
2: yeah so my twitter handle is jenny butler 830 um right now or last year i guess i was writing for fan tracks and rotoballer um i'm gonna i've already planned on doing some off-season writing for rotoballer and then i think next year is a little bit of a tbd so uh right now though you can find me at rotoballer and uh, last year i wrote a monthly um preview schedule preview type article for fan tracks which is fun yeah
1: Yeah. a schedule preview being like looking ahead of the future schedule
2: yeah, the idea was to look ahead for the entire month so mm-hmm. that you could, you know, looking at like, oh, this team's going to cores. This is, you know, that right. sort of thing, so that you could plan ahead with the idea of maybe making those free agent pickups a week ahead, stuff I'm like that. I'm all
1: for that. We have our expected yeah. uh yeah. SP schedules. Uh I love that document, regularly, yeah. And oh, I need that. That's such a huge deal. Uh so thanks for doing those. Yeah. Um, but uh, but Jenny, yeah, what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna figure out everything, learn I should say everything about you. So I want to start oh, no. at the very beginning. Uh, where did you grow up?
2: I grew up in Cincinnati. I grew up in the northern suburbs of Cincinnati, in uh, you know just full on suburbia kind of situation. And so I, you know, I went to a really really big high school. You know, I graduated with over eight hundred and fifty students. And, you know, oh, just wow. in my class and we are crammed seconds. into a tiny little outdated <laughs> school. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm used to big school, big school. I went to big college, big company I work for now. So I'm definitely a small fish in a big pond kind of
1: person. Well, you certainly excel there. Um, and so I must mean you're a Reds fan.
2: I am a Reds fan.
1: You're a Reds fan. Oh, boy. Can you tell them to get a better <laughs> camera angle?
2: Uh well, I, I would like to tell them to get a better team first <laughs> and then we'll worry about the camera angle. You know what? A little while.
1: One day. I, I This is, this is a real dream and aspiration I have is for the entire fantasy baseball community one day to pull enough money and make enough in this that we can own a team. I don't know how. Yes. But Let's do it. S- we need a, we need a major league baseball team to be a team of the people <laughs> like truly. Yep. Um, I, I've always joked that it's going to be the Colorado Rockies. And the first order of business is to get him out of Colorado. Uh, I'm so sorry, Colorado, but we just need to be on a flatter ground. You know, maybe we'll be nearby, just not there. Yeah. Um, but uh, but maybe we can target the Reds too um, and, and help you out. Just because first order of business get move that camera angle. Second, find a way to to it's roster a proper team. It's real yeah. rough right now. I'm so sorry, but I love Hunter Green <laughs> and Nick Lodello, and that's really fun. But I this do is love not that. a baseball analysis podcast. I was just learning about Jenny. So, uh, your Reds fan, what were the dreams and aspirations of young Jenny Butler?
2: I have heard you ask this question, other people, and I thought to myself, what were my, I don't even remember having like, (laughs) I want to, I want to be a such and such, you know, when I grew up, Uh I know that briefly I considered a veterinarian, but Mm. then I figured out that I can't see animals in any kind of distress Oh. So, you know, that pretty much puts yeah. the kibosh on that. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I I just – I did good in school. I'm definitely a math and science-focused person, mm-hmm. and I didn't really have anything specific that I wanted to do um, until maybe high school. High school is where um, I had my first chemistry class, and I really liked that, and I kind of thought, like, that might be, you know, the direction that I want to go in. But mm-hmm. I wasn't somebody who – was a young child like pretending to do things like i one thing that you'll see in a theme about me across all of this is i am not a person who is into like make believe or fiction or uh-huh. things like that so Just i that. you know i didn't i didn't play pretend games when okay. i was a kid you know i played board games i did crafts i mm-hmm. you know i watched you know this is relevant to this i watched baseball from a toddler my parents you know, people will put their children in front of cartoons to, you know, give them some free time. My parents would put me in front of a baseball game because that mm. would keep my attention. And so, like, I've always liked um, competition and sports. And, you know, I like one of my favorite shows growing up was American Gladiators. Oh, and I man. used to watch like Saturday, Saturday morning bowling, and, you know, and all now that kind of stuff. And now it's realized
1: in its actuality in football. That's yeah, what it is.
2: Yeah, okay. exactly. <laughs> yeah, football football's not exactly no, my thing but
1: but no I, I remember of course the giant q-tips we had turbo on there oh yeah uh, that was I, I enjoyed it I remember playing with my friends doing our own American gladiators how could you know yeah
2: yeah oh, so I'm God. just more of like uh I my parents tell me that I never believed in Santa Claus as a kid <laughs> like from from minute one they tried to tell me that story and I was just like mm, no no nah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not really buying that So, you know, it's just sort of how I've always been. It's how I am now. I know I don't watch a lot of um, fictional television. I don't Mm -hmm. watch a ton of movies. I don't really read fictional books. It's just sort of how I, the the things that I'm drawn to are much more in the nonfiction sort of realm. Mm -hmm.
1: So I, I guess then, you know, what books are, or would you recommend, would be your favorite ones in the nonfiction realm?
2: Oh, Lord. See, now you're putting me on the spot. So I Yeah, I
1: know. This is going to happen I a lot. Say,
2: I can't say that I have physically read a book in quite a while. Oh, okay. I mean, that's
1: actually a common, very common thing now. Like, I got back into yeah. it. I'm reading Sanderson, which is fiction and all. Um, he's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, okay. So then uh, shifting that, I'm just thinking of like, all right. So you're not into, you know, watching Netflix a ton, unless it's like a documentary, I would imagine. Documentaries.
2: I watch a ton okay, so of Netflix uh, documentaries. What's the best documentary? Oh, so let's see. I just watched the Nexium documentary on HBO which was disturbing but also great.
1: The Nexium?
2: Yeah, Nexium, it's N E X I V M. It's that um it's sort of a cult story with mm-hmm. like sex trafficking and stuff. It's very, it's, it's a disturbing topic, but also like fascinating.
1: It's funny. You say it's like a cult story. I'm like, Oh, like picture list and then sex trafficking. Oh, absolutely not. Like, <laughs> Oh no, no,
2: not like picture list. Um, oh, you know, what's interesting. I just watched yesterday, um, a documentary on Netflix called how to fix a drug scandal, which was particularly fascinating to me because it was a story of, um, some, malfeasance that went on in the two drug labs in Maryland in the mid 2010s so the the crime labs the drug labs that they have there they had at simultaneously one person at each of their two drug labs falsifying data well one of them was fully falsifying data and the other one was uh an addict who was working in the drug lab and you know pilfering drugs out of right. the supply. And just for me personally, because, you know, I'm sure we'll get to it, but this is sort of what I do. Like the fact that that was allowed to go on at is mind blowing to me. Yeah, so absolutely. like I was hanging on every word of that one, sure. but yeah, I'm a big true crime person, you know, um, datelines and 2020s and all that kind of stuff. Forensic files. Yeah. Oh, I love forensic files. That's, yeah. that's right up my alley. <laughs> and the. Because I am a forensic chemist, so yeah, that's what I go. do. And um, yeah, I love that stuff. Nice.
1: And is music at all involved here?
2: I like music, but I have very controversial music tastes. Do you? <laughs> so I there's a lot of things, specifically because there's a lot of things that I don't like. So a lot of very popular bands that I don't like. I have a constant battle with my boyfriend over Rush. I find Rush just... M-
1: it's the voice, Maddening. right?
2: It's the voice. Thank you. The voice.
1: No, Geddy Lee's voice is known to be like, it's, 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 it can be very quick. Any, any band
2: where you've got yeah. a guy with a screechy voice like that, I can't handle it. <laughs> ACDC, yeah. nope, can't You're do it. you not into that one, okay. No. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I like very specific, I like 60s and 70s, like psychedelic rock. I mm-hmm. like 90s grunge. Okay. And then just some random smattering of stuff that I hear. I'll like hear something and really like it. And it's just like a single song. Uh-huh. and i'll add it to a playlist and then that's yeah. it i don't want to like know anything else by that artist i don't want to i just sure have the song that i found that i like so i have like a couple of playlists that i listen to all the time mm-hmm. which is not how most people I, are you know most people say I things actually, oh, i, I love all kinds of music yeah, no, no, and that I'm kind the, of stuff i'm, I'm like you and i'm one, not that person
1: well it's good though you know what you like i think yes. that's actually an important thing and and those that know who they like I don't know. I gravitate to that more because you've actually spent time to analyze your own tendencies and what you enjoy and what you don't instead of just kind of letting the world take you, you know, uh, and just kind of going with that completely. Like, oh, wait, no, hold on. That thing was cool. That's good. That's why you're a good analyst. <laughs> uh, but uh, so I'm, I'm the same way with music. Where I I have certain elements i I love Yancey knows my taste completely now it's pretty funny I keep sending <laughs> him recommendations and all of this you're not gonna like this or that um but I uh, I'm very much of a guitar focused thing with but not fast drums and I want melodic vocals but not I, I mean I hate growls I uh, I I can't I don't care for lyrics lyrics oh. I don't I don't I just I don't Mm-mm. I don't listen to that. I just listen to the the, the arrangement and the melodies and, and the production and all of that. Just in the choices of like, how are you doing this progression? How was the harmony? Like there's sometimes it's really cool where you all of a sudden you hear a backing vocal and the way it goes in different directions and all that stuff. This doesn't surprise uh, me at all about you. <laughs> really? Is that <laughs> just right? Because,
2: well, I think it equates to your, you know, picture analysis and that like it's something that you've done. So you have sort of an insight that other people might not have. I've never played a musical instrument in my life. Oh, I've really? Have you ever tried? played a team? I, no, never picked up a musical instrument. In you my
1: don't life. have any interest. Well, I, I understand you're I'm, saying like on the side of like, I picked it up because I wanted to create it. It's something new. Yeah,
2: I would. But I just sort of, it's one of those things that I just sort of have never gotten around to doing. Mm-hmm. It's like I never skied. I've just, I,
1: oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, have man. anything for skiing. Also, I'm six foot four now. I, I, I like my knees. <laughs>
2: yeah so like you know it's something that you've done that you can like see the intricacies of mm. that somebody like me doesn't see like i don't hear individual um instruments a lot of times in music i sort of hear the whole thing together see,
1: the thing is and i see, see sort of, of a picture
2: of as a whole thing i don't i don't see the little tiny details First of all, you do. that you see
1: you do see the picture the details i do you don't give but I don't... enough credit whatsoever for that jenny
2: not the level that you do. And I'm not uh, I that's fine with me. I don't it's not something like I don't think of it as like a character flaw. I just uh I just sort of look at things in a in sort of the bigger picture, yeah. I guess.
1: Well, so I actually remember having this conversation with my dad who he's uh he was a music engineer for 30 years, like in the studio with the faders and all that kind of stuff, right? He was the guy receiving it would have. There's actually a story that he has of uh <laughs> he went into like a um like a Tower Records once. This is ridiculous. And uh, he's in Tower Records and he's just had like 30 minutes to spare. And if you don't know what Tower Records is, like, oh, okay, I've aged myself. Yeah. But um, yeah, right. We we know, Jenny. We know. Uh, <laughs> but essentially digital music destroyed Tower Records. It used to be like the big thing in Times Square. This is where you got all your oh, CDs. Yeah. So my dad goes in, he's waiting. Uh, he's got a couple of minutes to spare or whatever. And he's just waltzing around. And there's a salesman who goes to like the speakers section. And the salesman's like, Oh, you got to check out these speakers. And it's like these normal, like, whatever speakers. He knows exactly the model and stuff. It's like, they're fine. And he's listening to some music. And the guy's like, Yeah, pretty great, right? And the guy, my dad's like, Yeah, whatever, you know, and goes, That's exactly what it sounded like in the studio. <laughs> and my dad is listening, and he's like, My dad realizes he mixed this record. <laughs> And he goes, no, no, that's, that's not it. No, <laughs> it didn't sound like this at all. You know, it, we actually use X, these speakers instead actually weren't oh, like the most great. expensive ones. They purposely don't use like the most expensive ones because it's like, yeah, if you listen on the highest end, then the casual listener won't hear that yeah. experience, but you want something that's like perfect for it. But it was like this moment of it. So, um, so my dad, I, so my dad's, And I, you know, we talk a lot about music and I remember this point I had when learning guitar that I started hearing songs differently of actually like hearing a guitar with a record or something. And actually the vision in my head was me playing the thing and like seeing like how that um, that harmony played out on a guitar. And I was upset because now I couldn't just sit back and listen to it. You know, I miss that. I have a, a, a huge jealousy a bit of like yeah i just want to zone out and listen to a piece of music and just accept the piece of music instead of my brain instantly going stop what you're doing and now figure this thing out you know and other times i can do that but i don't have that perception or that that perspective anymore of like is this a good song or a bad song from from you know from someone who isn't aware of that stuff and it's also to say like i'm aware of everything i'm absolutely not I, I see in a different light now that was completely altered. I'm like, but I just want to like the I want to yeah. be fed something and not think like, yeah. well, that's I've heard that chord progression twenty million times. Um, I just want to be like, yeah, this is wonderful, good job. About the <laughs>
2: only thing that I would say that I have that sort of perspective about. Other than I guess you know science and chemistry, because that's what I do for a living. But um, you know, I grew up in the ballet world, which is oh, really. Ooh, that's a scene. That, it is, that uh, absolutely that is, a, is. Yeah. Yeah, oh my, my parents put me it's in dance daddy. when yeah, I was the
1: biggest ballet scene I know actually.
2: <laughs> oh, lord. <laughs> I I mean, I I started at like 3 years old. I did the full on like I was 20-30 hours a week, you know, wow. at the studio. That sort of thing. Like I grew up in that studio and mm-hmm. that's all I did besides school for all the way through high school. That's Mm-hmm. That was my, so my so is just my entire identity It's something Sorry? You
1: really click with this so dance is like a yeah, real thing yeah
2: me. yeah so like if i see you know there's dance not so much the ballroom ones like the celebrity one i forget the name of that but like
1: dancing stuff with the like stars, so you think you one? can dance
2: and yeah i don't yeah. watch dancing with the stars no no but like the so you think you can dance kind of things like i have an appreciation for exactly how difficult what they're doing is mm-hmm. you know that i know like the details of what they're yeah. doing and how they're That's getting great. there you know
1: and I, I think that's wonderful. Something um, something I find interesting is that every piece of culture that you know—I remember as a kid, like "Oh, I'm getting dragged to this thing," or whatever. I, as I as I'm gotten older, every element you can in culture is every hobby to me. I uh, there's something about it that is clearly appealing to a large group of people in some mm-hmm. fashion. And if you take a moment to figure out what that is. It is so wonderful.
0: You yeah. know,
1: I would be, I'd be jealous to go to a dance performance and just kind of, you know, and, and, and with you, I would love to do that. And just like all right, what's going on? What do you see? I want to understand yeah. it. And yeah. with a lot of these things, it's not this insurmountable, uh, discovery that you can't do yourself. Everyone, if people have done it, that means you can too. Right. Um, and with it, when you talk about with me and music, the way I see it versus, versus you, uh, yeah any uh, like sing down with a song like all right, this is what I'm listening to. Trust me, you can listen to it too. I'll just play it back, and you'll hear that exact thing' I'm like, oh right, like I, it, yeah. it's, it's it's there. um it's not some amazing credible skill that I have that is just you know I'm like no it's it's just a different way of doing it that you can learn too um so that that's really cool. and do you do you find yourself going to a lot of dance shows now?
2: I don't actually, and I don't dance ever as an adult no. like i don't Why not? I, I have never as an adult like gone to a club dancing i don't dance like there are adult type dance classes and sure, sort of like salsa as well too stuff. my friends yeah. have done and... never done a bit of it i think yeah, i, I must have burned myself out when i was younger because i have <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely no stop? desire i stopped at 18 when i went to college oh, man, because that, that's
1: like taller than 18 yeah. You're, yeah. You're oh, gym. yeah. And
2: it was like full on serious because I was, you know, teaching the little kids and taking my own classes oh, and man. traveling right. and competing on the weekends. And Jenny, was... I know you
1: have a great ballet story. You must.
2: <laughs> I, uh... all so all the right. only one well, I
1: can okay. think of off the top okay. of my head. I want head. you to think about this. Yeah. I want okay. you to take a moment and really think about that. And we'll get to it right after this break.
0: Fads come and go and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss.
1: All right, so I'm excited for this, uh, Jenny. Tell us your best ballet story.
2: So this is actually not ballet; it's a different kind of dance. But okay. I, when I was about 15 or 16, maybe, my dance company did a full-on production of Thriller. Really? So yeah. So we had smoke machines, and we the oh, cool my. part for about it for me was that we got to. Do it all ourselves. So we went to a thrift store and we bought some old clothes and we, you know, roughed them up ourselves. So they were kind of torn and yeah. tattered. And we took um, makeup lessons. You know, I know how to do like stage makeup, but this was like, you know, um, zombie makeup. So we took classes on how to do the zombie makeup, and I learned how to apply some of the little prosthetics and do like some of the effects to make your eyes look sunken and all that. Right. And we took this whole show on the road. We did competitions with it, with our that full smoke so cool. machines and the whole thing. And um, we got second in national competition with Get it. So that was like probably the most fun. What um, was your dance role experience
1: that? that I ever had? Sorry. What was your role? Was it just as one of the zombies?
2: Yeah. Yeah, we just did the full, there was no Michael Jackson involved.
1: Oh, okay. We gotcha. did the, we the did the like
2: group dance. Yeah. Right.
1: That's awesome. We, uh, it's, it's funny you say that in, uh, in school, we had to all take dance from fifth to eighth grade. Really? Yeah. Um, fifth, well, fifth and sixth grade, we took dance and then seventh and eighth, you were given, uh, you were able to take dance or theater tech or theater or music and my, I think my mom convinced me to do dance in both as the most applicable one. So I did like dance and theater and then theater and music and whatever. I did dance for two more years. And I think it was sixth grade as an entire grade. We all learned thriller. Oh, really? That's so uh, and I just remember like the going backwards and we go one, two, one, two, three, one, two, <laughs> one, two, three. and one, two, one, you know, doing the whole like <laughs> yeah. the arms up. Yeah, And then the, the one, two, one, two, three is like over your knees and um, with your mm-hmm. hands. um, Man. And then we uh, and then there's like a video of us as 12 year olds on my friend's country house like lawn. There's 10 of us, all friends. There's a video of us all performing it together. That's so great. And it's Somebody like needs to find boys. that video. Yeah. No, right. These 12 year old boys doing this and being like, oh, we learned this thing. We're going to do this. Oh, the innocence of youth. We need Justin uh, Mason
2: to dig that up, the way he dug up the old <laughs> Alex Fast on on diner drivings and dives or whatever that I mean, was.
1: Yeah, right. I uh, gosh, was that what that was? Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm no shows. acclaimed actor though. I don't have an IMDb <laughs> page. That's right? true.
2: Alex is the actor amongst He's us all. The
1: famous one of pictureless. Let's be honest yeah. here. Uh, but <laughs> it's just so funny you said thriller. That's uh, like the one dance I know ish. Like I've got the clap and they, they <laughs> shimmy down yep. and all right Yep. oh boy that's been 20 years um that's really cool and so so you gave that up it was because you were burnt out or you just went to college you're like i don't have time for this anymore
2: yeah i went to college and just like there was no way i was going to be a professional dancer so oh. i just didn't and i i backstory i dated the same guy all the way through high school and college and then a couple years after college so mm-hmm. 10 full years there and we kind of made some decisions together about that sort of thing where he was actually a absolutely studly pitcher for our oh, baseball silly. team in high school he was dominant
1: uh-huh
2: <clears throat> excuse me yeah uh no he's ready oh, wow. but i mean in the in the northern cincinnati suburbs where we were it was actually a pretty high quality competition And um, he was, I think, lost one game in his entire high school career was, I mean, his entire, his ERA was like 0.8 or something like that. He played on the um, club team, the Midland club team, which is the one that Barry Larkin played for and Ken Griffey played for. And he actually played on that team with Kevin Euclid. So I met, I I met Kevin Euclid a few times back in high school when he didn't go to our high school. He went to a neighboring one, but they played on Uh the same summer team together. That's amazing. So, yeah, but anyway, either one neither one of us thought, you know, we're going to be professionals out of this. Right. Um, he actually was recruited by some good schools and decided not to do it. And we just sort of both said, you know, we were both pretty um serious about school, so we just mm-hmm. sort of thought I don't want to be a student athlete because it's just too much, too much work. Yeah. You know, I want to be able to focus on school. We were both at the time pre-med. So it was um just kind of like you, just kind of had to leave that part behind, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, where'd you go to school then?
2: Uh, for college. Yep. Ohio
1: State. Ha-ha. Ohio. Right. Oh. And we are Jenny. not going to
2: talk about the Ohio State machine. game.
1: I I forgot, Jenny. I I think that's one. Yeah, of Yeah, you those wouldn't things ask me to be on this, would you? <laughs> it, it's one of those. You should take this as a massive compliment that I forgot because I cared enough about you to not let that <laughs> hold me back, right? Oh, boy. Um yeah. everyone listening doesn't know, my sister went to Michigan, so uh, there's a reason for that. You don't listen to the Govier podcast. Uh.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've had a couple conversations with Govier. Yeah. Oh,
1: right. So how was the Ohio State?
2: I loved it. I, I love going to a really big school, Mm-hmm. so I, you know, I had a lot of fun with it. I, you know, I lived in the dorm freshman year. I didn't love living in dorms and then went off campus after that. And I had a good time. I wasn't, um, much of a party or anything. Like I was, you know, had some alcohol here and there, but I was not uh, a big partier. So I mostly right. just studied <laughs> and got through it that way. Got my chemistry degree and then got out of there.
1: And was it a, uh, um, just a med school after that.
2: So I didn't I was pre-med for a while and then it turned out that I don't really like the biology part. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I I briefly thought for a while about being an anesthesiologist because I figured that's very chemistry focused sure. part of medicine. Yeah. And you know, you can get paid well and that. Yeah, that's that's, what, what that's I all I all you
1: know about anesthesiologists. It's just I like know, it,
2: right? it pays you well. That's it. <laughs> yeah. But um but I just, I, by the time I got to my fourth year of school, I just didn't really feel like doing school anymore. Mm. <laughs> I was ready to be done, and you I know, was, my I was the
1: same exact way. I was going to be <clears throat> just like uh, going to grad school for all of that. And I just, I, I couldn't,
2: couldn't do it. it. Yeah. My my parents both have PhDs; they're both professors, actually. And um, it was horrifying to them that I did not go to grad school for ten years easily after undergrad. They asked me when I was going back to grad school, when are you going back, when are you going back? Yeah. And I just had to break their hearts and say, I'm not going back.
1: Well, I mean, it seems like you found your, your place though.
2: Yeah. My dad came up to Columbus from Cincinnati to give a talk at Ohio state. And I walked him around the company that I'm at and said, look, I have a real job. (laughs) I, I don't need a PhD. Right, <laughs> you know? exactly. I can have a real job. I do real things, real work. It's yeah, a yeah. really professional job. I'm fine. I promise.
1: Oh, boy. I uh, yeah, that's that's a constant thing is um, I mean, I've had I've had conversations about, you know, like picture lists. like, is that a real thing, Nick? Is that <laughs> you know, do <laughs> you have staff? Is that right? Or um, yeah, that's a common thing. I imagine with parents uh, saying, no, don't worry, I'm doing a different path than you envisioned
0: hmm.
1: And uh, it's, it's a real thing. But I mean, so so after the not going to grad school, then I uh, what was your first job out of college?
2: My first job out of college is the job that I'm at now. Is that believe right? right at, yes. Oh, that's I've been great. in my I've been in my job for 22 years.
1: Oh, wow. Um. Yeah. Hopefully you've gotten a raise uh, in that time. A little bit. Not as much as I would like. Well, of course, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, I started there as an intern during my last year and then just like transitioned right into full time. And I I started out, um, I work at a company in Columbus that is, um, the best way to describe it is sort of like a research and development company. So like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember the old commercials that used to say like, they were for a company called BASF and they would say like, we don't make the things that you buy, we make the things that you buy better. And that's sort of what my company does, where we do sort of a lot of the background research in all kinds of fields. We have like a transportation department. We have an environmental department. We have a medical devices department. I work in national security. Um, and we just sort of do a lot of that like under, what's the word, like under research that, um, you know, for materials and you know, government research, stuff like that, that sort of is the foundation for a lot of those kinds of Mm -hmm. things. If that makes sense. I just
1: So, And what is your (laughs) position exactly?
2: Uh, I'm a, I'm a forensic chemist, which Mm -hmm. um, is not the kind of forensic chemist that you see on like a forensic files. I do um, more of, I have more of an international focus. Um, My group works with um, chemical weapons agents specifically. So we have very, very high security kind of work. Um, we test for chemical weapons if there is any kind of worldwide incident. You know, we do that testing. And then the thing that I've sort of been doing on the side for the last couple years, well, last probably eight years, is um, my company developed um, a mobile laboratory for the military. Really? So Yes. So it is um, a system of four shipping containers mm-hmm. that um, can be dropped with a parachute anywhere around the world. And then it gets um, expanded and moved out. They have like those sort of slide out walls, like an RV. Oh my gosh. And it's got its own generator, its own water supply, its own everything. And we have full laboratory capabilities in there. So within about 12 hours they can be up and running testing for a whole suite of biological uh, chemical radioactive and there's like sample prep capabilities in it
1: why is it 12 hours is that for the generator to get running or the water it takes
2: a lot of time to take it to so it comes with everything just smashed into a small space so it's all compacted so you there's a huge document about how to set this thing up. Like so an you Ikea take
1: thing on steroids. Yeah, oh, okay. it's
2: insane. <laughs> Especially when you want to talk, I wrote a lot of these documents. So you want to talk about like the way that the military style of writing is just,
1: Oh, oh gosh. It's yeah. Awful. Oh, boy. Yeah.
2: So yeah, like you have to, um, open everything up and power. It all has a whole way of being powered on. There's a glove box, you know, the kind where you stick your arms in the sleeves.
1: Yeah, sure. Um,
2: and so that has its own power up and testing. Every piece of equipment has to be powered up and has all of these functional checks that need to be done on it before everything is ready to go. It's a, it's a really involved process because we have probably 12 different uh, analytical instruments in there that all need their own startup and system check procedures and stuff. So I was part of um, developing that and then um, I wrote, like I said, a lot of the documentation on how to operate all that equipment. And then I've been traveling around since 2015, um, training soldiers. So I, tra- I travel to different military bases and I train the soldiers how on how to operate their equipment. Things. Yeah,
1: essentially yeah. unpack it and then be like, hey, this is how you use this.
2: Unpack, yeah. And it, I mean, I'm training also. I'm training guys that don't have you know a scientific background. Right. So it's a definitely a different experience to teach someone who doesn't have a science degree, how to operate some of these like advanced instruments.
1: I imagine then you have a lot of skills of communication that are applicable, not just to certain people in the military, but like a lot of people listening uh, could definitely learn from.
2: Yeah, when I first started, I was terrified, just terrified. Mm -hmm of the whole thing, especially because, you know, you're getting up in front of a bunch of soldiers, you know, and right, I'm right. just, you know, me getting up there and I just sort of, am like, these guys are going to take me seriously. You know, this is ridiculous. Yeah. But I think it's just, I've learned that just sort of being friendly and relatable and like talking to them, like I would talk to a friend of mine and not being, not lecturing, not like acting like, you know, I'm the chemist, I know all this stuff and you, you know, and having yeah. that sort of air about me, I think just goes a long way that if you're just like you, you know, have just sort of a friendly rapport with people and it just helps the mood, the, you know, cause people don't want to be in training. Yeah, <laughs> Nobody right. wants to do that. And it's sometimes a four week long training class. So, you know, oh, it's wow. a, yeah, it's an involved class. So you end up getting pretty friendly with everybody by the end. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just have kind of slowly gotten used to it, I guess. Right. Still, I'm still, i still not totally used to it. I still get really nervous.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I imagine it's a lot of dumbing down language, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, you have to, I mean, you really have to start, it's part of the reason it's a four-week-long course is you have to really start with the basics of, you know, how to prepare a sample and then how to analyze it. And you have to sort of, I have to get away from a lot of the analytical chemistry Um, terminology that I'm used to you know Mm
1: -hmm. do you need to uh discipline at all when you do this
2: no especially not in the military those guys I mean there are times when you know I'll I'll start a run on the gas chromatograph and I'll say all right this is going to run for 15 minutes so go do whatever you want and come back in 15 minutes yeah and they don't know what to do with themselves they want (laughs) to be told they want to have something to do every minute right right and they want to be told like they just were like what I'm just supposed to have downtime. Like they don't know what to do with that. So oh, yeah, they're they're very, um, I've had a few instances where guys are kind of have a little too big of an ego and want to, you know, talk down to me. But other than that, like everybody's been very receptive and very, you know, friendly about the whole this thing. This is so
1: wild. Jenny, when I was going to start this podcast with you, I did not think I would be on a path talking about Air dropping, uh, <laughs> air dropping and shipping containers, uh, yep. portable laboratories that expand. You never know what you're gonna get with and, me. I'm a, and I'm an has enigma. a manual that is the, the equivalent of a Barry Bonds manual, um, compared to an IKEA. My, I just made my table that, that it's like comes 2,000
2: page up. document.
1: Yeah, I, I made, I, 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 I constructed uh, a new coffee table that has the first thing that comes up you know it has like a little like oh. the, the, i know nice. the little pistons that come up and i felt proud of that taking me about an hour and a half two hours and yeah. like oh yeah well here's this thing that takes 12 hours to put together oh boy oh my gosh and this is so cool I'm just, i mean i'm imagining yeah the there's something about the gloves you know i know yeah. this you have like a uh, a bin of some kind and then you have the gloves mm-hmm. interact inside of it so that you're protected. And you're not, you know, if there's a leak or anything or else, you're not affected mm-hmm. by it. But there's something so cool about that. I don't know. You don't see that without something legit being involved. <laughs> well, right? there,
2: is, um, there is a previous version of this laboratory that um, all of the um, National Guard units have. There's one in every state. They're currently fielded right now. And they're sort of a... Um, the size of an ambulance and they have sort of a smaller group of instruments in them mm-hmm. the ohio national guard i've worked with them a lot on their um laboratory and they told me a story once of a policeman stopping a car and pulling like an old metal box out of the trunk and it had some vials of liquid in it and they didn't know what it was and so they brought it to the national guard and they put it in their glove box so the, you know the idea is that you, that is fully contained with its own exhaust system so you are completely protected and they went to open one of the vials and it just exploded no and it, it coated the entire inside of the glove box with what turned out to be a chemical agent oh gosh so that person would have been soaked and most likely would not have survived. Wow. And the fact that they were in that glove box, he was yeah. completely fine. Ooh,
1: God. Yeah. I mean, just the terror
2: of that moment.
1: <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. I imagine there's some color involved too. So yeah, it's like a yellowish. Of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh. yeah. Oh, man. I'm so happy <laughs> to be in my New York City apartment, safe from everything and protected. I work with chemical
2: agents every day, not on a glove box. I would just oh, work gosh. in a regular fume hood. So I'd... It's not that crazy for me, but I know know, that people that aren't chemists, it seems weird.
1: I would make a joke that my staff are chemical agents, but they're not. They're wonderful. (laughs) They don't explode. Like I I don't even want to say that about them. They're just wonderful people. Uh, So, I mean, what was the day? Like, this is really cool stuff, Jenny. And were you working on this from the beginning? I mean, it's been 22 years. Was there a moment that you finally started doing this kind of stuff and you sat back and go, this is not what I expected? (laughs)
2: Yeah, well, I started out um, at this company in the environmental group, and I was there for four years. Mm -hmm. And that was very different. That was, um, there was still a lot of military work involved. But that's only because back in the, I don't know, anytime before about the 80s, the military was just dumping whatever into the surround, you know, if you're on a military base, they'll have, you know, like a plane that's getting Let's say washed, and they use like a chemical cleanser. They'll drain the gas, and all of that runoff just goes onto the concrete pad that the plane is on, and then just runs off into the surrounding soil and groundwater, and that sort of thing. And then some um, uh, plants and and I worked at an old paper destroyed paper plant at one point where we would just we worked on we didn't actually do the remediation we. Uh, researched the different remediation um, techniques and tried Mm -hmm. to advise which ones we thought were best. So I did a lot more like EPA type work um, at the beginning. And then that group decided that they didn't want to use an analytical chemist anymore. They just wanted to send their samples out because it's just easier. So I transferred into the group that I'm in now and I've been there since 2004. So I've been doing pretty much the same thing. Since 2004, if do you can believe you, it,
1: uh, are you a paratrooper with the containers?
2: <laughs> that would be fun, but no, I've never so skydived. Cool. I would love to skydive. That's oh, you on should do, you list should do sure. You should
1: arrive with the container. <laughs>
2: you just deliver a chemist with the laboratory. And
1: then, then you just and then like the 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 containers fall down, and then you you land on top of the container. The camera goes <laughs> underneath. There's the shot of you, hands on your hips, looking up. Did somebody order a lab?
2: <laughs> yes, we need to make this happen. A Jenny I'm Butler story. <laughs> I'm here for it.
1: Oh, man. Uh, so we have a lot of other things we want to talk about. But before we do, we have to take a quick break. Okay. All right. So I know Jenny, of course, through the industry. And I have to ask, I mean, as you're doing all these things and creating inspiration for superhero films, I... Um, how did you get involved in the baseball community?
2: So I've loved baseball my whole life. It's easily my favorite sport. When I was um, maybe 10 or 12, we had uh, season tickets for a few years to the Reds. Um, my oh, family sorry. and my best friend's family. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, this I'm was so in sorry. the good years. So I had it in oh, it uh, 1990, the World Series year. Oh, wow.
1: Never mind. I yeah. That yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Eric Davis, Barry Larkin, Chris Sabo, Joe Oliver, the whole thing. The nasty boys. The goggles
1: goggles of Chris Sabo. Great. Yeah. Loved it.
2: Yeah. I was at game two of the World Series that year when Joe Oliver hit an extra inning. I think it was a double to score mm. the winning run. And we were in literally the very top row of the old riverfront stadium.
1: <laughs> and
2: uh, yeah, that was great. That's wonderful. So yeah, I've been a Reds fan my whole life. And I think when you grow up in Cincinnati, it's just sort of in you. Like Cincinnati is definitely a baseball town. I mean, mm-hmm. other than probably St. Louis, I would say it's the biggest baseball town. Um, So I've always been interested in baseball and I've always kind of been a gamer, not so much video games, but just like, I like strategy games. I like Right. You know, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I've, I, when in about probably 2005 or six, um, I had a friend at work who was in a fantasy baseball league and he uh, asked if my boyfriend and I wanted to join. Well, really, he asked my boyfriend to join and I tagged along.
1: Let them they know.
2: I know, right? So, I went the first year. I think I just sort of sat and watched the first year, but then the next three years I drafted teams for other players in the league who couldn't make it to the draft. My home, This is still my home league, and we have a live draft every year, which I highly recommend. If there's any way for people to have a so live draft, better. it's just it's so oh much better. Gosh, yeah. So and this was a bunch of Ohio State friends that um, had moved all over the country, but everybody would come back every year, and it's just the best. Everybody comes back every year and we have a make a full weekend of it we have a wiffle ball game and a barbecue on friday and we have a all-day draft on saturday it is a hybrid auction and snake draft it takes full 10 hours how do
1: you do a hybrid auction and snake do you do like eight rounds we do eight rounds of auction okay and then you transition to snake from there
2: yeah. So the way it actually works is you it's its a little bit of a keeper league. So you keep eight players or you designate eight players as keepers from mm-hmm. the previous year's team. And then uh, for the auction, you auction off your own players. And once the auction is finished, the bidding is finished, you are allowed to keep that player for $1 more than the highest bid. Oh,
1: interesting. So you
2: always have the option to keep the player, yeah. but sometimes the prices can get insane. Like I had Mike <laughs> Trout from his rookie season through maybe two years ago.
1: And you always kept the, and I
2: often paid an exorbitant amount because they knew I was going to keep him. (laughs) And there were times I paid $65 for Mike Trout, you know,
1: but it's Mike Trout, Jenny.
2: Yes. I'm, I'm doesn't bother me. (laughs) So, so yeah, the nice thing about it is, um, you know, the auction takes, I don't know, probably three hours just for eight rounds because we're slow. We don't, we're not in a hurry. And uh, we stop, we have a lunch break, and then we start the snake part of the draft. And it goes 32 rounds, I believe, the snake part. So it's a very deep league. And yeah. so I kind of jumped in to the deep end as far as fantasy what? goes. It's a holds league. It's, uh, it's oh, I just, I just heard Kevin uh, Hasting on, I guess it was Rob's podcast, talking about how his original home league allowed 10 free agent pickups a year. My home league allows eight free oh agent gosh. pickups a year, four in the first half and four in the second half. So ignore half. my strategies
1: <laughs> completely. Yeah. Oh
2: yeah. like you, what you do wouldn't work in my league. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. actually you also have to have five starters part, and five relievers. So that's oh, okay. All right. We're
1: now we're done. Now we're moving. Well, it's a whole league. <laughs> <laughs> so kidding. it's, I'm it's, judging.
2: I've gotten over the intricate, the weird rules. Like I just sort of appreciate it now for, you know, the camaraderie and the, yeah, it's no, just like I'm a so great group of, of friends that have been doing it for 20 um, years. And we love every draft day. Even though, you know, I go to Vegas, I draft NFBC, I do all this stuff. My home league draft day is the best day of the year. I like, I, um, I have down. a lot
1: of dreams and aspirations of pitcher list for it. I should say one of them is to get to a point where the legacy league is an event. The draft for the legacy league is that a live cool. snake draft in person um, because if you don't know, we have a whole relegation base uh, or sorry, relegation I love that system. by the way. It's three of the premier leagues. And then we have yep. the rest of the staff is an ELO set up <laughs> for who goes where. It's, it's wild. Huge thanks to Andrew Perpetua for helping out with the ELO. <laughs> um, but I, but yeah, my dream is to do that because like, I had a home league for ages. And when I started doing this, I, I, it fell apart. I I was a commissioner for so long. I was like, guys, I cannot be a commissioner anymore. It's always just such a busy time for me, and I can't. Oh, I know. Do it, um. And no one stepped up. No one wanted to take it over. Um. And it just it fell through. And that was a keeper league where you kept eight every year. And oh, uh, I I learned how to do things in 2011. I figured it out finally. So I, I draft. I sent away all these players. Got all these players back. I traded. Uh, Alex Rodriguez for John Carlos Stanton at that point. <laughs> um, and then I, I got Justin Upton at some point trade, like all my players to keep Justin. Whatever. doesn't matter. One in 2012, one in 2014, one in 2016. <laughs> and then and then it ended. I think it was 2016. Um, but, I, but yeah, I miss it so much. It's yeah. different. And I got to make the idea of a weekend of like you have a barbecue and you all gather oh, together in so this whole thing. Oh, we call the barbecue is called the Meat Fest by the way. Oh gosh.
2: <laughs> and Stop. it's these are That's also okay. my group of friends who I my one of my biggest, you know, side hobbies is cooking. I love to cook. I'm a big culinary type person. And um these are like my also my culinary friends. So like people go all out for Meat Fest and it's great. I love love the whole thing.
1: Yeah, Do you have a certain dish that you always make?
2: So I often, because so many people come from out of town that they can't contribute as much. So I generally bring quite a bit. And I often um, will cater to the vegetarians. We have a couple of vegetarians. And since it's meat fest, you know, mm-hmm. you right. got to think about the vegetarian so i'll make like a vegetable curry i'll make some pasta salads i'll make you know side dishes and stuff but one year i did make bacon chocolate chip cookies which were delicious really yeah you use bacon fat as the fat in the cookie and there's pieces of bacon in the cookie too
1: jenny i have such a sweet tooth it's amazing and i've been as much as i can i Trying to limit sugar because of my sweet tooth, I just let myself go on sugar over the years, um, and I can't hear that right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. that sounds so they were delicious. a big hit. My, yeah, my, my mom, sorry, my sister made for my dad because my dad doesn't really like sweets. A bacon cake once. Hmm. Um, it was interesting. Yeah. It actually was had bacon, but it was like sweet, like mapleized bacon, and in a cake form. It was odd. It worked, but now I, I the want these cookies. I think the chocolate chip cookies, cookies yeah. are probably
2: better. Better My use of bacon. My girlfriend is and super
1: a- into baking, so I might. But she's a vegetarian. I can't do that. To her. <laughs> I can't do that. Uh, so, so never mind. But oh, that sounds so good.
2: It's great. Man. I got now I I'm like
1: planning like. of like how I would construct this weekend of fun. You said there's wiffle ball too? Duh, of There's course wiffle, ball. Got to wiffle ball. Of course. Yeah. yeah. We do that at the pitchless. Although we're all meetup. getting old yeah.
2: now. So everybody's the day after the wiffle ball game at the draft, everybody's <laughs> whining and complaining about how sore they are. <laughs> oh,
1: that's funny. We uh we did a wiffle ball last year for the pitchless meetup. We would get a um uh, a a field. We actually John Metzeler worked for the parks department in New York. <laughs> So we would get a permit through him, and we would take one of the seven fields. Yeah, one was like a softball field or something in Prospect Park, and no one was there. We did not need to get this permit. Like it was so July great. or something like that, and no need um, in 2021. But we uh, we played it, but we realized that like we can't really do it. So we created a line. We're like essentially like where the base pass would be. We created a like a diamond, and then if you on a fly hit with a ball past it, it's a home run. If you <laughs> bounced it and it got past the defender, it's a double. And then otherwise, if they cleanly field it, um, it's an out. That's, that, that was the rule. Caught on the line or if it's a grounder, then you got to throw it to first. Uh, and it worked for, for us old men. Playing yeah. wiffle ball, unlike the old days of actual like proper wiffle ball, running around the bay Oh my gosh, that was that was a lot. Uh, but that yeah, sounds a little so too fun.
2: old for that. Yeah, yeah. but it's yeah. it's so much fun. I love my home league.
1: Oh, uh, do you have a name for it?
2: It's called the Munson Memorial Meritocracy.
1: The a, MMM. That's actually what I was going to guess. Well, you didn't let me guess. That's not fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, would have gone right for that, that, right? Yeah.
2: I don't even know. It was called that before. I so it existed maybe five or six years before I joined. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know it's Thurman Munson, but I don't right. know. I mean, I guess Memorial Meritocracy, I guess sure. it's just sort of ex- self-explanatory. So, so
1: here you are. This is your first league, right? You've been doing this mm-hmm. for ages. Let's continue the story here, how you got to where you are in the baseball industry.
2: Yeah. So um, I I continued in that league for a while, but it, you know, as much as I love those guys, I wanted to play more seriously. And that league is such a group of friends that they don't play you know, hard against each other. So, you know, we'll have the auction portion and somebody will go, Oh, you know, Joe Maurer, I know how much you like him. I'll let you have him, you know, stuff like that. And I mm-hmm. just had more of a competitive, yeah, you know, feeling about it. And I sort of tried to make, be more competitive in that league. And it just sort of didn't really jive. Like people were like, Hey, we're all just friends here. And I'm like, no, but I want to win. No, you like know, I
1: want to, yeah, you want to be, yeah, pissed. it
2: was just I needed to like take my competitiveness elsewhere so that I could right. really enjoy that league for what it was meant I mean, to be. You're still
1: looking for those leagues though, right? Cause you're successful in TGFBI and NFBC and everything. So yeah. where are you going to find your actual competitive league, Jenny?
2: I went to NFBC. So I started playing in the main events. I went straight to, I went full on straight to Las Vegas main event mm-hmm. in 2017. So I've been playing in the main event for a little while now. And, um, I started out playing um, a couple of other, I started out in NFBC in 2014 and then went to the main event in 2017. And I've, I love it. I I think it's, you know, I know that it's not for everybody. And, um, you know, I I know that the fantasy analysis world kind of gets a little hyper-focused on NFBC, Mm -hmm. but for me, you know, I don't have, you know, I have this group of friends that play in my home league, but maybe four or five guys are just kind of in it for fun. You know, they're not really, they're not in it, you know. So I I like having a league where I know that everybody is trying all the way to the last day of the season. Yeah, right. You know, it makes a big difference to me. And I'm also, you know, I have sort of, I'm a gambler. I have that in me. So like, I Mm -hmm. like the uh, money-making aspect of it. You know, I like trying to, you know, invest this amount of money and put my money where my mouth is and, you know, try to make a profit on it. Like I'm also in it for the profits
1: of it. Right. Yeah. That's great. Uh, man, I, I mean, the the thing that scares me the most about NFBC is the amount of time it takes to do your waivers and everything on Sunday. It takes so much time. I can't do it. I'm for me in season Saturday and Sunday are my days off and what i mean by that oh, is i still have yeah, to do the sp roundup and the streamers every day so i need to give myself that five to ten on sundays you know yeah uh, and i can't do it it's just i mean so i probably
2: hard. spend 10 12 hours on fab every oh week my gosh and yeah. i have i have six last year i had six families i won't go over six ever mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean it's a serious time investment and you know people Over the years, you know, there's been Twitter conversations and that sort of thing about how we get more women doing this. You know, there's women in the industry, but there aren't a ton of women playing in the highest stakes NFBC leagues. And I think part of that is the time commitment. You know, I don't have children. I have my job and my job is demanding, but I don't have a lot of other responsibilities besides that. So, you know, I have... My partner who's, you know, self-sufficient and I have a few cats and, you know, other than that, I can, I have the ability to spend eight hours in front of my computer on a Sunday doing fab. And I think that, you know, even I've noticed that a lot of the women in the industry don't have children Mm. and it's, I think it's a big, you know, block to being able to really do this at a high level because, you know, you might have a partner, a husband that's very, supportive and raising the children and whatever. But you know, at the end of the day, it almost always falls back on the mother to take the, you know, bulk of the child rearing. So like you're not, you just don't have the time, you know. And mm-hmm. I I saw like Justin's wife try to get into it and kind of struggle with time and time management and stuff. And it just it sucks up a lot of time. Yeah. You have to in order to be good at it in NFBC, especially in the main event, you just have to put in a lot of time. And I just don't know that that's for everyone. I I don't think you can shoehorn somebody in to a situation like that because it's not you're not going to be successful if you aren't able to put in the amount of time that's required.
1: Yeah. Potts, Dave Potts, I I have so much respect for him. Uh, I said something at uh, First Pitch Arizona about everyone in the room was there. It's like, hey, everyone here is good enough to win the main event. Like, it's not like we have some magic sauce or something. Oh, yeah. Do you have the time to win the main event? Right. Um. And I just want to I want to play the NFBC main event really badly. I just don't want to do fab. If I can find a, a deal with somebody Your partner,
0: yeah, yeah I
1: have my partner to do it. I'll be like, hey, cool. Tell me the pictures that we're picking up and all that. I'll tell you all the things you want. You let me know when you have it all set up. or Fine. We'll take like 30 minutes or something on Sunday and have a conversation about it. And then I'm out, you know, and that's what I want to yeah. do. I uh, Gosh, that'd be so fun. I would, I would have it's the best great. I love it. That.
2: And I, you know, like one of the advantages I have, you know, because I'm not a huge player analysis type person. That's not the strengths of my play. The way that I compete is with time. I you know I, I generally like if you look at my um, team standings this past season, there was sort of a steady increase because mm-hmm. I'm doing all the little things of like streaming hitters and changing, getting, make sure all of my lineups are changed on Mondays and Fridays. And even on Mondays and Fridays, I'm watching as each lineup comes out. And if somebody's not playing, I'm getting them out of there or, you know, making that decision and you just have to be on top of it. And, you know, for me, that's one of the places that I can gain an edge by spending that time and looking at that sort of that everyday work that goes into it.
1: Yeah. Oh boy. I'm not going to do it's that. It's a lot. That's okay.
2: I do yeah. enough. I'm fine. <laughs> what you should do, though, is come out to Vegas for the drafts because. When is that? It's um, around the last week of March. I don't it's know the, the exact dates off the top of my before opening day. Yes.
1: Okay. And I, it's I, just I was, like they have. I was thinking about it. Uh, multiple, multiple conference, conference
2: rooms um, reserved, and mm-hmm. everybody's just milling around. Just you know, it's sort of like first pitch Arizona, where right. you know people just are just around. Yeah. milling around, talking about their teams and what's going on, and people sure. are going out to dinner and yeah. that sort of thing. And it's just, it's a great time. I'm, I'm actually Mike. staying this year. Okay. I'm coming in on Thursday to Vegas, and then I'm staying through an entire week so oh. that I can be there on opening day, and oh, I awesome. have a recliner reserved at the Circa Sportsbook, downtown Las Vegas. And I paid, I think I paid around $200 and I have the, the recliner for the entire day. All food and drink are included. I don't have to get up from my seat other than to go <laughs> to the bathroom. Watch
1: baseball and the it, and time. because
2: the Circa Sportsbook is a three-story screen, uh-huh. You know, because I can get in the recliner, you know, you just recline back, you know, like that's you're at amazing. the movies or something. You have never seen have
1: Sandy Alcantara like this before.
2: All the games. <laughs> I have it all planned out.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I, I've i never been to Vegas. Um, really? Yeah, well, it's just not me. Like, that whole culture is just not Nick Pollock. Uh, I'm not someone who's that thrill seeker for a crazy night out or whatever like that. i just m- not appealing to me.
2: I don't do um, Las Vegas like most people do, though. Right.
1: So, so I've never had a reason to go. And yeah. this would be a reason to go. It would be. Um, it sounds super fun. Uh, obviously, it, it costs things to go. Um, it's an
2: expensive place.
1: It's also, I, I don't know what my life looks like always at that point uh because it's the week before the season starts it's always a big draft weekend it's always Mm -hmm. um and when it comes to running the site making sure that everything is okay it's like the calm before the storm of the start of the year yeah um but sometimes that's okay sometimes it's just kind of boring and i'm just waiting for it to start so it's possible that i could do this i probably will need to have a list out on monday uh but maybe i fly back sunday night or something most people
2: come in um thursday friday and stay through sunday and that's it
1: Yeah. I don't know. I I was thinking about it actually earlier today, so. You should definitely try
2: it. Even if you're not going to draft. I I say this to anybody. Even if you're not going to draft. I mean, they have some, you know, they have like some online championship drafts and things there that are, you know, at a more reasonable price point. But you can just walk into any room and just watch an auction. You can walk in and watch a $10,000 entry auction happening Right. right in front of your face.
1: Yeah, that's the one I should do. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> just jump right into the deep end
1: yeah right no i i mean honestly i probably would sign up for an online draft uh like a draft champions at that point because draft i mean draft champions i, I thought i didn't have to change my lineup i thought i acted like a pro- proper best yeah. ball that I set your optimum lineup each week that's what i want to do, do best ball for that yeah. yeah is there an nfbc best ball
2: i don't know if there's a live one in vegas i don't think <sighs> there is Unbelievable. But they do have uh, best balls, and I, I've i done quite a few of them over the years. I actually really so like the best balls. Those are fine.
1: That's great. That's a, wonder, that's yeah. a wonderful time. Um, I did a best ball like in Arizona. Day, you could, you could do that next year. Yeah, I might. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, we're getting close to the end of this, and there's one last question that I haven't asked you, Jenny. Yeah. What is your mantra?
2: So I think that my mantra is, is more or less like the golden rule. You know, treat others as you want them to treat you. And I think that in the current, you know, I don't want to get political, but in the current political discourse, there's so much of just, this person's on the other side of me, so I hate them. I think that they're a bad person right? because they don't believe what I believe. And I don't agree with that at all. I think that there needs to be more conversation. There needs to be more putting yourself in the other person's shoes. I mean, granted, there are some like truly bad apples out there. But I think that 95% of us are just doing what we think is best for ourselves and our families with the information that we are given on a daily basis. And I think that just having some compassion for other people and having some understanding of where other people are coming from would just go so much longer. And I think that there's so many people that don't want to have a conversation. You know, if, if you are, you know, a right winger, then you are by definition, a racist, and I will not talk to you. And I, okay, maybe, but there's, there's also so much that can be gained from having conversations with people. And, you know, putting yourself out there. And I just think, you know, that there just needs to be so much more of that.
1: Yeah, nuance has been lost when you have to say everything in 280 characters. (laughs) Of course, yeah. And uh, I couldn't agree more about that. Um, there are a lot more good people than bad. Yes, and, yes. Uh, it's, it's it's you know living very, here very... in
2: Ohio, we're we're there's um both both party you know both sides of the political spectrum are around Impressive. you all yeah, day. Right, you know, like right. I I am with I work and have I'm friendly with people who are ultra conservative and who believe the exact opposite of what I believe, right. but we're still friends. You know, yeah, we still but... can have a relationship.
1: The battle uh, between the two sides is the accomplishment of the the powerful. Um, yeah, that's not cool. <laughs> that's, not, uh, that's, that's what they want, not what we want. Um, I love that. Um, but Jenny, thank you so much for taking the time here. This was wonderful. Thank
2: you for having me. This was so much fun.
1: Yeah. I remind everybody where they can find you and uh, what you do.
2: Yeah, uh, the easiest way to find me is on Twitter at Jenny Butler eight three zero, and I'm going to be doing some off season writing for Rotoballer, and then um, figuring out what I'm going to do next year as far as writing. I'm not I'm not quite sure yet.
1: Para- gets guy, get some paratrooping or skydiving involved. Okay. Oh yes, absolutely. Sure I'm
2: absolutely want to skydive. It's on my bucket list. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but all right, thank you so much for for coming, and uh, yeah, my name is Nick Pollock, and that was my friend Jenny Butler.